So before we get started, I would love to read you guys the opening excerpt from an article that one of my mentors had given me. This has absolutely nothing to do with today's sermon, but for the setting that we're in, it's, it's going to make sense. So the article um, is titled, Oh No, the Youth Guy is Preaching, and it's by Brandon, Brandon Cooper. So, over the past few years, you've invested heavily in your unbelieving neighbor's life. While she is eager to hang out with you, she's deeply resistant to Christianity. You invited her on Easter. Nope. You invited her to Christmas Eve service, but she refused. You invited her to bring her, to your, her children to the BBS event, but she saw that as brainwashing camp. So, when after facing a crisis, she agreed to join you in church this week, and you just about fell out of your chair, absolutely buzzing. You meet her at the front door. You help her kids get set into children's ministry and find a seat. Then, opening your bulletin, you learn your favorite pastor, the one you keep telling your neighbor about, the one who has such winsome insight into the human heart and contemporary culture, the one who unpacks scripture's depths, riches, and relevance with warmth and clarity, is on vacation. Oh no, the youth pastor speaking. Of all days, you're happy your senior pastor gets a break and, and you're glad the youth pastor gets an opportunity to grow and develop, but why today? Not when your church needs to bring its A game. Not when your neighbor's eternity is at stake. Couldn't the youth guy keep practicing with the teens down the hall? And it's funny, and thank you, Pastor Daniel, for that. <laughs> and I hope you guys got as much of a kick out of it as I did. Um, and if you can relate to it right now, I just, I just tell you, just give it a chance. The Lord has something amazing in store for us this morning. Now let's pray. Father God, Lord, we just uh, give you all the glory. And Lord, we thank you for uh, this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the word that you're about to give us. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we get to just worship you. And Lord, I just ask as um, we get settled in this morning that you just uh, open our hearts and our ears for the message you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we'll be talking and discussing the importance of servanthood and how it blesses the people around us and how we glorify the Lord and also how we get, we get blessed through the process. And we'll be doing this through the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. And by a show of hands, who needs their feet washed this morning? That's what I'm talking about. So our youth students will make, make their way down and they'll be washing your feet uh, here in just a minute. I'm um, just... Just kidding, yes, that's, that's not going to happen. No, there will be no feet washing happening this morning. And matter of fact, I find feet to be a little bit disgusting. Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one as well. Uh, but for this setting, I can get past it for the sake of serving people and knowing the importance of um, that message. And so if you would, please join me in opening your Bibles to John 13, 1 through 17. That's John 13, 1 through 17. And while you're getting there, I'd like to share a brief life update since the last time that I had the privilege to be up here. For a lot of us, but for me in particular, uh, this year has been a roller coaster for my family, and as some of you can probably relate. And by the grace of God, I've been called to ministry here on the Ridge and gotten the firsthand experience in seeing the highs of pastoral duties. It's been a blessing. My family has and is currently walking through some of our own trials that have changed our daily living. 
And so I've been in constant prayer for my wife and my kids and my personal walk with Christ. And for my wife, it's, it's how can I serve her? How can I be a better husband and friend? And for my, each one of my daughters, I have four of them, it's, it's how can I serve my daughters? And how can I fulfill each and every one of their individual needs personally? And for my individual um, and personal needs, it's like, Lord, how can you use me? Lord, please use me for your glory through all of this. In vulnerable times in the past year, I struggled actually with knowing how God was going to use me for the greater good of the gospel. But being able to look back on this year, I can testify that God has used me through these difficult opportunities to serve his people. He's put me in situations that give me the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so when we talk about the hands and feet of Christ, it's being a direct reflection of Jesus Christ. That's using the God-given abilities, your hands and your feet, to serve his people. And that's serving other people without expecting something in return. And that's giving Christ the glory as well. And so this has brought me a, new, a completely new outlook on life. And during that time, it's, I've been able to bless people along the way. And through serving, I've been able to continue to grow in Christ abundantly. And so the first opportunity that God had allowed me to be a part of was to serve alongside some of my brothers and mentors for the Little Elm Varsity football team this past season. And if you're wondering if I got to suit up, I did not. I did not get to suit up. And, but hopefully maybe in the years to come, they, they'll, they'll put some pads on me. But we did get to show the players and the coaches and the training staff what the hands and feet of Christ look like. We got the joy of doing whatever it took to make these young men and women and the coaches feel like they were royalty. This meant serving them in many ways, as in holding the door open for them, praying over them, walking, and a lot of times running with them, encouraging them. But most importantly, it was behind the scenes showing them what Christ looked like. So what that means for us, a lot, one of the times was Thursday nights, we would have the opportunity to feed them here. They had a booster club feed them, but we would be here uh, serving them, a few of us. And if you know a football team, they like to eat. And we would be there picking up their plates and their napkins and their trash. And this was every Thursday. But this is something that is a little bit more deeper than that. It was to the point where they had looked at us and it, it, it's like, why? Why would you? I, I have your, I, I'll take my own trash. I'll open my own door. But we were like, no, absolutely not. That's something we want to do for you. We want to serve you. And so oftentimes it, it, it was perceived as not normal. But over, over the course of time, it developed into something much deeper than that. So a lot of the times, these service op opportunities were not what they were expecting. And when we talk about picking up their plates or water bottles or darting past them, opening the doors, especially finding joy at halftime or at the end of the game when they were losing, we might not have suited up with them, but it felt like we were going to war with them and making sure that, again, behind the scenes, we were prepping them for battle. And so there's one thing that I, I want to share with you guys, as simple as a cooler. I had a privilege of getting to know this cooler very well. 
This cooler provided water for the players during the meals, and it provided Gatorades for the coaches at halftime at the end of the game. And believe it or not, me and this thing toted many miles. This is away games and home games. I, I had the luxury of, of toting that thing. And so we got to know each other very well. But that cooler provided me with discipline. My hands might have been frozen solid, but those kids and those coaches still showed up wanting water or Gatorade. And for the sake of serving these people and their hearts to see what Jesus Christ looked like, that's why I still had a smile on my face. But again, I did become best friends with this cooler. The point of this cooler was for me to grow my relationship with Christ through serving his people. And again, I want to express just how important it was for us to be the hands and feet in Christ in that situation. And from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, God had transformed my actions to always be looking for an opportunity to serve his people. And so by now, hopefully you guys are there. I talk a lot. But John 13, 1 through 17 reads as follows. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He lay aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said, to, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So verses 1 through 3, he sets the tone for us to understand his actions. And right off the bat, we're blessed with the truth of the gospel, amen? We see that God in the form of man, Jesus, knows all of things. He knows that his time is about to be up. His earthly mission is, near, is nearing completion, but he's not done yet. It's written here that he loved them to the end. He's talking about his disciples. Jesus loved his disciples to the end. And what a better way than washing their feet. Also knowing all things as it reads, 
He knows that he is faced with a huge predicament in Judas Iscariot. And many of us know the story. But if you don't know, Judas proceeds to portray Jesus and turn him into the authorities here in just a little bit. This ultimately is leading to Jesus' death, burial, and what else? His resurrection. This part with Judas is important, so don't forget we'll get there in just a minute. Jesus is about to perform, in my opinion, one of the greatest or most selfless acts of love in history besides dying on the cross for you and I. Now, we need to state the obvious here. We're talking about washing feet. In biblical times, they didn't have what we consider today closed-toed shoes and foot fragrances, socks, or hygiene products, or manicures and pedicures. Their means of transportation was more often on foot than anything else. And Jesus had his disciples running all around that area spreading the good news of the gospel. So yes, they probably had some rough heels and toes. But then again, that's where my mind goes immediately in the flesh. But let me ask you some questions. Do you think Jesus ever thought about the condition of their feet? Do you think Jesus thought twice about catching a disease or a topical fungus from touching their feet? That's what I think. Do you think Jesus thought less of himself for doing this selfless act? For us to really understand what that means, what this story meant, and what Jesus meant in this, washing of the feet was typically done by a non-Jewish slave and someone that was, quote, beneath the person that was getting their feet washed. This means, this means Jesus humbled himself to be a slave-like action for you and I and for his disciples to show us just how important it is to serve one another. Truly serving others is about reflecting Christ, showing the person the natural glow of what Jesus Christ would look like right in front of them. It doesn't matter what status you have in the church or at school, in your workplace, in a public setting. We are called to serve God's people as Christ does here. We are called to be in the trenches with each other to show the lost, abundant, absolute, abundant, everlasting, unconditional love. But let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. As we go on, Jesus begins to uh, wash the disciples' feet. In verse, verses 4 and 5, it describes the washing, the actual physical washing of the disciples' feet. And usually when this story is presented, it's accompanied by a visual of a leader or a coach or a teacher, a pastor, that's washing somebody's feet, right? But this story is one that you don't have to do that either. You can close your eyes and picture what that looks like. You can see the humility and the humbleness that Christ shows through this act. It's a beautiful picture to recreate in your mind so that you know that when the time arises and God calls you and me to serve his people, however that might look for you, that you know just how Christ did for his disciples. And again, we need, I want to emphasize when we're talking about washing the feet, it says that he washed their feet. He had a towel wrapped around his waist, and then it had a, a basin of water. This is during supper. Usually it's done at the beginning, but he did it when supper was done. He found the most opportune time to show them how he cared for them. I don't know about you guys again, but 
if someone comes up to me and says, hey, can you wash my feet? I'm going to think twice. It's just, to me, it's just, it's not natural, right? Except my wife. I'll wash my wife's feet. I will gladly do that. And I still don't like feet. I don't like her feet. Feet are beautiful. I just don't like feet. That's just me. But when you look at the act and you see what Jesus is trying to do, we see it in just a minute when he has a discussion with Peter, how important it really is. So we keep going on. And please forgive me. As we keep reading, verses 6 and 7 show the dismay of the disciples during washing of the feet. And it, it, it goes something like this. Simon Peter straight up was like, dude, did you just wash my feet? And Peter recognizes the action. Simon Peter recognizes the action. He says, nah, fam, you don't need to. And this man tries to take advantage of the situation, and he says, don't just wash my feet, but wash my body, dog. Now, I know, I know, I know. That's, where, that's how I said it. But obviously, I joke about the responses, and I paraphr- paraphrase what a teenager says back there. But the importance of these verses are important. Jesus, with grace, he tries to explain to Simon Peter that they all don't understand this action, like me. I read this time and time again. I don't understand. Why is this man, our teacher, our God, our Lord and Savior, why is he washing these men's feet? But in the grand scheme of things, they'll know in God's time why. He also invites them, as he does for us, into a relationship with him, as he offers for us as well. Verse 8 responds, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And what a beautiful picture we get to see, amen? I'm going to go ahead and say it like this. I want all to share with Jesus. Cleanse me, God, right now. Wash me. Wash my feet. My whole body, just like he said. I want all to share with Jesus. I know what it was like before when I was dirty. I know that. I remember that. But I know what it's like when Jesus washed me clean. I want all to share with Jesus. I couldn't imagine a life without Christ. And so these last six verses are ones that you and I get to remember when it comes to a sense of serving God's people. And Jesus tells his disciples and us that he is who who we call him, and that's teacher and Lord. He confirms this in hallelujah and praise God, amen. Lord and teacher, and he, he confirms that to us. But he gets real with us as well. He commands, not just tells us, he commands us that he did, that as he did, we must do. And if he can wash our feet, we should be willing to wash each other's feet as well. If the ultimate servant can humble himself and put himself beneath others, we without question should do the same thing. Jesus is the absolute greatest example of a servant to walk this earth. And why would I inspire to be anything less than that? And lastly, to finish it out, Jesus states, truly, truly. And any time that I see this, this is what I do, so I want to offer this to you guys. When I see truly, truly happens often, I highlight, I underline, I circle. Whatever you do, just make it known in your Bible When I see these words, truly, truly, my ears are perked up and I'm listening. But he says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. To end this, 
in these words, he says, blessed are you if you do them. You'll be what? You'll be blessed. And tell your neighbor, blessed are you if you do them. That's always awkward, I know. But I still do it. Thank you, Pastor Mark. But blessed are you if you do them. That's what Jesus tells his disciples. That's what he tells you and I today. We serve God's people the way that Jesus Christ served his disciples. We will be blessed as well. Again, my ears are perked up and I'm listening. So how awesome is this story? How awesome that we get to see the greatest example of servanthood through this passage. And how amazing that we get an opportunity to serve each other. I cannot express to you guys the importance it is to serve God's people. And how it is to serve the lost as well. But I know what it's done for me in my walk with Christ. But there's an important character here that we got to chat about. We can't overlook. His name is Judas. Jesus did something out of the ordinary to get his point across, as he often does, right? Jesus knew what Judas had already done. He knew, and that sorry dog still showed up for dinner. He still showed up for dinner. But what did Jesus do? This man, our God, he still washed Judas' feet. He showed the ultimate grace in this situation. It's hard for me to sit up here and tell you guys that I could do the same thing if I knew this was how the story was going to unfold. But I truly believe that Jesus, he knows full and well that that Judas was going to betray him. It says it in the passage. But I believe he still washed his feet to show us the links that he was willing to go to love and to serve his people, regardless of what they think or had done to him. We might not always like or love everyone, but God does. We are his people. God here also tells us that we are to serve his people, not just a select few that we get along with. He commands and shows us we are to serve his people that we do not see eye to eye with, that we might not get along with, that we know certain things about and that we don't like the ones that we try to avoid, the ones that have hurt us before, but also the lost in this broken world. That means every single person that we run into, we must show them what the hands and feet of Christ look like, especially in our own congregation, amen? Could you imagine if we as a church body, we served at the max capacity that God allows us to? We would set little elm on fire, than the nations. When we examine servanthood, we see that we drop our own desires and we drop our own wants and we put the care of people before us. This, in fact, blesses us as well. And you might be like, well, how, Kobe? Good question, neighbor friend that was expecting the A-game lead pastor. Let me tell you about the second story that God was able to use me to serve his people it's kind of a vulnerable one here. But one night, it was 11.59 p.m. I had just got home from a guy's trip playing golf. That was the fun part. I was sleeping. Just went to sleep. And one of my mentors calls me. And I never sleep with my phone under my pillow. 
ever. It's always on the nightstand, so I don't hear it. And sure enough, the mentor was Pastor Mark. I'll go ahead and tell you. I'm tired of saying mentors. It's important. Pastor Mark calls me, 11.59 at night. This is a Saturday. We got church this Sunday. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Pastor Mark's calling me at 11.59. Am I, are you fired? <laughs> hey, don't show up tomorrow. We're good. We got it covered. And what do I do? I wake up. I'm, I'm frantic. And I wake up my beautiful wife. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I get it. <laughs> Poor thing. But I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm asleep. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's important. So I answer the phone as, as if I wasn't asleep. And I lied to Pastor Mark because he asked me, are you sleeping? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm awake. <laughs> and he tells me, it, after we come back and... and, and Story happens. He's like, you lied to me, didn't you? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry. But he proceeded to tell me about a tragic situation, a tragic situation that, he, that, that we got asked to attend. And uh, it was by far one of the most intense and scary situations that I've been faced with in ministry thus far. And I can't describe to you, we got on the scene, and I've never, my heart sank. I'll just put it to you like that. My heart sank, and I didn't know what to do. I, I, I was not expecting this. I don't, I don't know that I was prepared for this. I know why the Lord brought me home early um, from that trip. It was for a time like this. Uh, but I, I cannot describe to you guys the feeling. Um, but let alone the family that just lost their child. And we're supposed to minister to this, this family. And I'm, I'm over here, uh, I just start praying. That's the only thing I can do. Lord, how can you use me? How can you use me to serve your people? And I probably looked as frantic as I am right now. And Pastor Mark's holding it together, that man's solid, and he just consoles the mom. And I'm sitting over here like, hands in my pocket, like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I have no idea what to do. But I looked over. I don't want to forget, I asked the Lord, God, how can you use me, as I said earlier? How can I be the hands and feet of Christ in this moment? How can I serve your people? They need to be served right now. They need something. And I looked over, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit. I looked over, and there was a cooler that was sitting right there. I'm like, no, you didn't. But that was the first thing that happened. And I just went over to that, and, and whoever's cooler it was, I'm sorry. But I just I started unloading waters. I just put them in my pocket, and I'm just over here like this. And that's all I could do in that moment. In that moment, how could I serve God's people? And the Lord answered, and he just said, go to that cooler, grab the water. Here, give them this. In that moment... That's how I felt like I could serve him. I believe in that moment, it blessed him. I believe it showed that we cared for them. I believe that 
That was a selfless act. And I also believe that was a moment of where we could say it was the hands and feet of Christ to serve his people. And I also believe that family got to see a glimpse of how God can change your life. I believe their lives for a split second were just a little refreshed. But by the transformation of God, that's what had pointed me to that cooler. And to finish off these two stories and how they're so cool and intertwined, in the middle of football season, one of the players asked me if they could take home one of our Bibles from back here. What am I going to say? No? Nah, man, those are for the, those are for, no. Yeah, hey, take it home. Matter of fact, take two home. But he proceeded to ask me the next week, he's like, where do I start? Where do I start reading the Bible? He had no idea. And I'm like, well, hey, me either. But I got, to, I got the opportunity to talk to him about my favorite, my favorite book in the Bible, Matthew. I got the opportunity to say why. It's because I relate so much to Matthew. But we get to sit side by side and talk to each other about the Bible. This young man didn't know what the Bible was or how to read it before, but he came into our church, thank you God, and he had this opportunity now to read the Bible just for being on a football team. Just a little, little bit later, he, he asked me, he said, hey, can I, can I get your phone number? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? But he asked me if I could text him a Bible verse every day. Praise God. Praise God. He gets all the glory in this. I have nothing to do with it. But it's something as simple as this that transforms my life too because I get the opportunity to serve people but be blessed as well. It's amazing that we get these opportunities and we just have to capitalize on it. Lord, how can you use me? How can I serve your people? Was my two simple prayers at the beginning of this year. And he's opened these doors that have been amazing. My family as well. I've had the opportunity to serve my family and, and much deeper than just dad. Much deeper than just husband. Much deeper than just best friend. But at the same time, I get blessed as well. And so our application and our takeaway from today can be these five things. The first one, Jesus commands us to serve his people. Jesus did not call anyone to sit on the sidelines when it comes to serving his people. We were made and called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just to watch others fulfill that calling. That's you and I. That's everybody. That's the congregation. Secondly, to serve everyone that we come into contact with, and that's be the, the visual hands and feet of Christ. That's everyone that we come in conflict with. That's putting the rifts aside. That's knowing that for the greater good of the gospel, me and this person, we're going to do God's work and we're going to do it together in the name of Jesus. But remember, Jesus Christ showed us how to be the ultimate servant to all people. So when we get distracted and we let our, our own flesh get in the way, we remember what Jesus Christ was and he washed his disciples' feet. He went beneath them to show them how important it really is. He died on the cross for you and I, and through persecution of enemies, and also by washing the feet of the person who betrayed him. And third, it's step up and step out of your comfort zone and let God work through you. 
Again, step up and step out of your comfort zone and let God work through you. We tell the students all the time in the back, they like to go to sleep and they like to doze off and they like to act like they're not paying attention. But we gotta, we gotta, gotta tell you guys as the congregation, and I tell my, myself as well, we have the relationship with Christ. We know who he is. We have to let him transform us into the likeness of him. And that's by stepping up and stepping out of your comfort zone and letting God work through you for his people. This is also by using the body and the gifts that God has given you. Ephesians 2 reads this. Ephesians 2.10 reads this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Number four, kind of my favorite right now. But find an area to serve locally or in a greater capacity. We have a beautiful church, amen? We have so many opportunities here at Crossroads to serve God's people. The Lord has opened so many doors for all of us to serve. God has given us this opportunity to have many different areas that need servants. And that's from babies to students to life teams to parking lot teams. I love the guy with the hand and the, the hamburger finger. That's amazing. When I turn the corner and I see Brian, I'm like, I want to I get a hamburger finger and wave to him back and see what he does. But that gets me going here in the morning. I also have it from decorating to greeting and to outreach, many more opportunities. My prayer for myself and you guys is that use the gifts and the talents that God has granted you to give back and serve in some sort of capacity, but at the same time you do this because you find yourself being blessed in the process. And number five, last one, serve God's people and you'll be blessed as well. I cannot speak for anyone but myself, but as I sat back and I've reflected on this year, I can truly tell you guys that God has been able to use me to serve his people. And this has opened many doors that has blessed me in my walk with Christ. And yes, serving, the commu- serving in the community is an unforgettable experience. Here at the church is a dream opportunity. But being able to serve my family and use these experiences to show them what the hands and feet of Christ look like is something only God can provide. I've seen the benefits of being blessed through serving God's people as well. And as the worship team makes their way to the stage, in this time, I'd like to invite you into a time of worship with God. And if you would, close your eyes and bow your heads. If you feel the Holy Spirit working through you today, answer that call. Don't sit on the sidelines. Let God work through you. Jesus Christ has made a way for all of us to enter into a relationship with him. If you believe that he died for your sins and he can take them away too, today is the day to make that commitment. My brothers and sisters, if you're carrying that weight that is too heavy to carry, our prayer partners will be here on the side as well. They would love to pray for you, pray with you. Our God is waiting. Our God is big enough to offload that weight. Our God is wanting to help you. We want to pray for you. When we look at servanthood as a whole, we see that it is a total commitment to Christ. Similar to a brotherhood or a sisterhood, you give your all to that person or group. 
when we look at Christ and what he's did, what he's did for us, the only thing I want to do is give back as much as I can. That for me is serving his people and making a way to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is a transformation in the name of Jesus. Changing your heart for what he wants and not what I want. Looking at the people across from you and reflecting Christ. If you want to make that new commitment this coming year, make, a, make it a commitment to give back to God. And that's through serving his people and watch how it blesses you as well. Scripture tells us, and it is true, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that it, it resonates deep inside of our hearts, in our minds, in our actions. Lord, I ask that as we go about our, our day, Lord, that you use us. Use us to serve your people and whatever likeness that you've put in front of us. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray for the person that is sitting there that's going through heartache and pain. Lord, I pray that they're willing and able to get up and come pray for. Lord, the one that is sitting there that, that feels like they can't, Lord, I, I know you know what is going on in their life, that you're, you're taking care of it. And Lord, I pray for this congregation. Lord, I pray for your people. I thank you for this opportunity we get to dive into your word. And Lord, we get to see the truth of what you have for us. And Lord, I pray for the, as this new year comes along that, that you make a way for us. Lord, that you guide us and we listen. Lord, again, I just thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.